Under a new law, Medicare Advantage plans will be able to increase the flexibility of their benefit offerings to address health and well-being needs that are not strictly medical. Changes allowed under the Chronic Care Act open the door to a range of benefits that could include long-term services and supports. But the law also has the potential to affect risk selection in Medicare Advantage plans since the traditional Medicare program hasn't been granted the same amount of flexibility. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Amber Willink, an Assistant Scientist in the Department of Health Policy and Management at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Dr. Willink has co-authored a perspective article about the potential effects of this Chronic Care Act. Dr. Willink, you write in your article that under current law, supplemental benefits in Medicare Advantage plans must be primarily designed to prevent, cure, or diminish an illness or injury. So why were those limits originally established? That's true. So as of today, Medicare Advantage plans are able to provide supplemental benefits that are primarily health-related, as you mentioned. So they're restricted to this ability to prevent, cure, or diminish the illness or injury. And I think that that's born out of the medical model, as well as trying to create parity across the traditional Medicare and the new Medicare Advantage. So the types of supplemental benefits that Medicare Advantage have been able to offer have included care coordination services, dental vision and hearing benefits, and wellness programs, like gym memberships, for example. But Medicare Advantage plans must use their rebate dollars or charge higher plan premiums in order to fund these supplemental benefit offerings. So these aren't additional funds available through the Medicare program, but rather things that they have to work within their current budget to offer their beneficiaries. So as you mentioned, the Chronic Care Act, which was passed earlier this year as part of the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2018, It fundamentally changes this definition of supplemental benefits to services that offer a reasonable expectation of improving or maintaining the health or overall function of the chronically ill enrollee. So there are two important features of this. One is the change to not just improving but ability to maintain the health and the other is including an element of function in this. So not primarily health related but also to improve or maintain someone's overall function. And this change is set to become effective in 2020. However, CMS has already begun effective 2019 to grant some flexibility to Medicare Advantage plans, which is also a welcome change. How did these changes come about and why were they seen as necessary? So the Chronic Care Act itself, actually, it's an acronym, and it stands for Creating High Quality Results and Outcomes Necessary to Improve Chronic Care. And it reflects the changing needs of the Medicare population that is living longer, living with multiple chronic conditions and disability as they age. So currently, more than half of Medicare beneficiaries have three or more chronic conditions, and about one in four have either the functional or cognitive impairment. And we've known for some time now that there are factors beyond the health system that negatively impact on our ability to manage our health needs, such as food and nutrition needs, safe housing issues, as well as barriers to accessing health care that relate to transportation um, challenges. So older adults with functional and cognitive impairment, or cognitive impairment, I should say, are at high risk for adverse encounters with health systems, such as hospitalizations or readmissions and emergency department visits. And these events, they're really costly. And in many cases, they're largely avoidable if the individual had access to non-medical services, such as receiving a prepared meal regularly or having grab bars installed in their shower to prevent them from falling. And yet our health system, it's not designed to help us address these non-medical needs that could prevent that care. 
So the Chronic Care Act is really a recognition of this. It's a recognition of the changes in the needs of the older adults and the fact that the, the Medicare program itself is not helping the system to address those needs. So in 2015, the Senate Finance Committee um, chairman and the ranking member of Senators Hatch and Wyden, they set up a chronic care working group, which was led by Senators Isaacson and Warner. And the intent was to address and improve the healthcare outcomes for Medicare beneficiaries that are living with chronic conditions. This act is actually quite large. There are many different provisions that address the needs of people living with chronic conditions, which include expanding telehealth, extending the independence at home demonstration, and what is the focus of our perspective piece is the creating the greater flexibility in the Medicare Advantage plans. Does the law offer some guidance in terms of what services and supports can be covered and which ones still won't be eligible? That's an interesting question. So at this stage, the definition, as I mentioned, it's been expanded to include the health and overall function. And the scope of the service, it is theoretically very broad. And we won't know for sure what services would qualify until CMS released their guidance for Medicare Advantage plans in 2019. But some of the services that have been proposed are meal delivery, the transportation services as well to and from doctor's appointments, some personal care services in the home or adult daycare, the home modification, changes like the grab bars or a wheelchair ramp, as well as some housing support. So instability in housing is a significant driver to negative outcomes for older adults. So interestingly, that's been something that's been tossed out as well. But an important requirement in all of this in accessing the services is that it has to be recommended by a clinician in order to be covered by the plan. In addition to the enhanced flexibility, there's another important component of the Chronic Care Act that we haven't mentioned yet, which is the change to the uniformity requirements. So plans are now able to offer targeted benefits to specific populations rather than having to uniformly offer it across all enrollees in the plan. So, for example, plan enrollees who are diabetics may have some of the cost sharing for certain services like eye exams waived, but this wouldn't apply to those who aren't diabetics. So it's ability to tailor services and really try and enhance value in the plans and in the service utilization. But it's important to note that the legislative language puts the emphasis on the high need and high cost populations. So plans must focus on those who are chronically ill, which is being defined as either having one or more comorbid or medically complex chronic conditions, having a high risk of hospitalization or adverse health outcome, or someone that requires intensive care coordination. You mentioned in your article several potential concerns about the changes this law is going to introduce, including on the one hand that they may attract the sickest beneficiaries to switch from traditional Medicare to Medicare Advantage, and on the other hand that plans may use increased flexibility to engage in selection of healthier patients. So were those potential consequences considered during the drafting of the law, and how could they be minimized? That's an interesting question. I think that there certainly is a concern that this might occur. I think, though, that the general expectation is that providing this greater flexibility to Medicare Advantage plans is a first step in the right direction. So we do mention that there are the issues of the adverse selection. So given that this isn't a requirement or isn't an option in traditional Medicare, that it might encourage the sicker individuals across to Medicare Advantage plans. And so I think that's something that we will just need to be keeping our eye on and something that we wanted to raise for that reason, that we might not see some of the benefit that is being expected because there isn't the equivalent 
opportunity in traditional Medicare. And so if Medicare Advantage plans are concerned about attracting sick individuals, then they're less likely to offer some of the benefits that we think could create really significant results for the chronically ill if that's the population that they believe that they will only attract. So in that regard, what are the chances that the benefits in the traditional Medicare program will also be updated to allow this kind of greater coverage? I think that we've seen such strong bipartisan support for this change to Medicare Advantage plans bodes well for change further down the line. But I don't think we're going to see anything particular on the traditional Medicare side in the short term. But I think this has been an important first step. I think the important thing to keep in mind is that Medicare Advantage currently covers about 35% of Medicare beneficiaries. So if we really want to see substantial changes in health outcomes and we recognize that our health needs are a reflection both of the medical side but also some non-medical needs, that we really do need to think about how to extend this further. And one of the proposals that has looked into this issue but specifically focusing on functional and cognitive impairment is called integrated care organizations, where you would have this expanded flexibility for basically an extended accountable care organization, but you would also have the accountability for a broader set of quality outcomes that relate to the overall function that the legislation, the Chronic Care Act, raises. So I think that we are moving towards bigger changes, but that we are quite a way away. And having this firstly roll out in Medicare Advantage, I think will help iron out some of the complexities um, to introducing it in the bigger Medicare program. Finally, what role can individual physicians play in ensuring that their older patients have access to the kind of services and supports that could improve their general health and well-being? I think that primary care physicians particularly, or those that are responsible for coordinating care for older adults, are really on the front line of this issue. And we see it as hopefully an opportunity for doctors to help address some of these challenges for their patients that they've witnessed for years. And they can do this by leveraging the flexibility of the plan um, to connect their patients with the services that they really need. The important requirement that these supplemental services are only available by the recommendation of a licensed clinician places the doctor in a really important position. So it will be vital for doctors to firstly be thinking about some of the non-medical factors that might be contributing towards their patient's health. You know, for example, if a patient comes in who is at a falls risk, the doctor might think, what is going on perhaps in their home environment that means that I'm continuing to see them? And could I recommend grab bars be installed, for example, or a handyman to come to the home to see what might be happening in that home environment? Or for example, if a high-risk patient misses an appointment, the doctor might also have the opportunity to recommend some transportation help if that is what is keeping the person from visiting the doctor. Secondly, although I think this is definitely harder, is to be aware of the supplemental services that might be available through the Medicare Advantage plans that could improve the overall circumstances. You know, as I mentioned, it's only 35% of all Medicare beneficiaries have the Medicare Advantage plans, and then within that, there'll be substantial variation. So as I say, this is definitely a harder ask but I think it could go a long way to ensuring better health outcomes for their patients, which is what they're there for. Thank you, Dr. Willink. 